Hey guys, welcome back to the Half Strong Very Pretty podcast. Um, today's guest is uh, Josh Pugh, who joins, uh, who joined SK Coaching as one of our coaches. Um, his background is mostly in football and sports coaching. Uh, he works at Crystal Palace, Arsenal, uh, and is head coach at a women's football team called Goal Diggers. Um, Josh, if you can, and obviously is now a PT, fully fledged PT, isn't just a, a football coach. Um, so Josh, if you can obviously expand on that, tell us a little bit more about your footballing history, I'd say, and then how you got into PTing. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I'll go through those roles and add a bit of context to each of them. Uh, so at Palace, I came in as a uh, an outfield coach, but in my interview, I said I also coach goalies, which I think is what got me the job really because it separated me from the other candidates um so i work with outfield players and and goalkeepers there i kind of do the academy pathway so it's like okay. development center so the priority is making those kids better mm. as opposed to them like winning matches um i've just got a job at arsenal which is very exciting i think by the time this goes out i'll have started it depends when it goes out but yeah so i'm going to be working with the pre-academy with like an elite development center and then also doing some talent id which is like a whole cool. new world for me like scouting is just that's so cool it's it is cool but <laughs> it's also like, like i remember saying in my interview like he was asking me what what would you look for in a goalkeeper and i was like good with his hands maybe <laughs> and the guy was like yeah that's an interesting answer i'd probably look at how tall their parents are i was like oh yeah because then if their parents are tall they're probably going to be tall so things like that are just like didn't didn't know. Yeah. Didn't consider. Um, yeah, Goldiggers, um, head of coaching. Goldiggers is a trans-inclusive football club for women and non-binary people. We've been going about eight years. Started there, like second ever week they were going and just haven't stopped since, really, which is really, really great. Um, head of coaching means I am responsible for what we coach and how we coach it and then also developing the other coaches, which is like, a big passion of mine, mm -hmm. making trying to make the stuff that I'm learning like relevant for the environment that we're coaching in and also for the other coaches developing there. And so that's the majority of my football coaching at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Keeps me nice. busy. Keeps well, me off the streets. My grandma always says that. Keeps me <laughs> off the streets. I can imagine you being on the streets. Yeah. Like you, I think me and you really suit the street image. Just, just traipsing around. <laughs> um, one thing you said there, which I found um, a great, a great point to sort of go into what, what you're doing now with me and, uh, and with your own coaching, is trying to make what you learnt. Uh, I can't remember the exact word you said, but basically fit the environment that yeah, you're working yeah. with. Now, I've, I've done. God knows how many courses. We've both done a lot of courses, right? And there's a lot of things you learn as a coach that aren't really applicable to the um, your the person you're coaching, uh, the individual, because most of them don't care. Yes, uh, yesterday it won't be yesterday when I do this uh, when this is released. But yesterday I was talking on my Instagram about carbohydrate turning into fat. Now. Um, the the process is called de novo lipogenesis. No one gives a shit, right? And it's basically, I, I find that it's taking the information you learn and applying it to that individual. So helping them understand, okay, carbs probably won't turn into fat. It can, but it's very unlikely because of X, Y, and Z and making it very layman's. When you're coaching now uh, as a, a non-football, non moving away from football, how do you... Is there a way you particularly structure your information or or what you're giving to your clients to help them understand? Do you, is there a certain methodology behind that? Yeah, I suppose, well, probably something that we're both familiar with is like the idea of like a pre-coaching questionnaire, some sort of like mm -hmm. upon sign up, you do some sort of questionnaire. Yeah. I think that gives you so much insight into mm. how someone thinks, but also like the kinds of language that they're familiar with and what they're exposed to. Um, so that's probably the first thing I'd say that I look to, which is like, what do they know already? Yeah. And if I can make it relevant to that, then then brilliant. Um, the second, like the question I always ask myself is like, what's useful, what's relevant? Yeah. Like if it something could be useful, but just not useful right now. So it's irrelevant now. So you don't have to tell them now. Yeah. Um, similarly, something could be relevant, but not a particularly useful thing for them to hear, depending on whatever situation they're in. So if it's useful and it's relevant, I'll tell them and I'll try and do that in a way that resonates with whoever I'm speaking to. Something you just said then um, also goes into 
the thing I was just spoke about with carbohydrate is making it relevant or maybe not useful for them to know right now. And um, one massive thing, and it's a kind of white lie uh, I use with a lot of clients, and I tell I tell them up front, and then I just sort of hype them up off the back of it is the whole carb carb and weight loss thing. Mm -hmm. So um, as when when you ingest carbs, one gram of carbs holds four grams of water, right? Three to four. So if you, that's where people being scared of carbs came from, a lot of the reason because they eat a lot of carbs the following day, oh my God, I'm, I'm way heavier when actually you're just retaining water. Now in reverse, when if we drop someone a little bit lower on their carbs and in the first week they lose two and a half kilos, we know that's not entirely body fat. There'll be some body fat in there, but there'll be a lot of water in there. And that I think is really, really, that's where you said about this relevancy of information why would I tell someone who's very, very excited about their first bit of weight they've lost in a year? No, 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 you just, you just, just dropped your water. Like you've not dropped any fat. And I think part of coaching is around, like you said, around knowing what information to give someone, what to hold back and when to use that further down the line when they trust the process and they're not afraid of carbs anymore. Yes, you can give them that. Okay. You know, that first couple of weeks probably actually wasn't body fat, but you don't, it just it just they, it's not the information they need I, I i feel massively this is like this is where i think football coaching and coaching clients like these i'm starting to realize these two they're actually the same thing mm. like there's a, a kind of model of coaching that i'm really interested in at the moment which is called constraints based coaching and within that there's this like kind of strand which is called restrict reward relate okay so if we think about i don't know restrict quite an easy one for the sorts of coaching that we do like you might set someone macro goals based on what they want to try and mm. achieve if they do that you can reward them that reward could be anything that is going to incentivize them to follow those restrictions and then the relate stage will be like we're doing this because i don't know you you're going to your mate's wedding in six months and you know you're going to be in loads of photos whatever like anything that's going to try and resonate with them like in the football context the restriction could be you are our right winger so you're going to only play on this side of the pitch yep. the reward is like you're going to then get on the ball loads in the areas of the pitch that we want to get you in and you're probably going to create loads of chances score and create goals the relate is right it's the match day now and there's i don't know we're one nil down and 20 minutes to go where do we want you we want you in the area of the pitch where you're going to get us a chance to score a goal yeah um so yeah, that sort of stuff is like, I'm starting to realize that. Yeah. So let, let's use that risk, reward, relate. Restrict, reward, relate. Sorry, re restrict, risk. What did I say risk? Risk. It could yeah. be risk. It could be a bit risky. Yeah. Um, why not add risk in it? No, but let's keep it to restrict, reward, relate, which is very hard to say, I just realized. <laughs> um, to a client looking to, you can choose, drop body fat or gain muscle. Gain muscle, way more fun. Okay, go for it. Uh, so the restriction could be that uh, in order for someone to let's let's say gain muscle in like a sustainable way mm -hmm. we'd probably want to put them in a slight calorie surplus mm -hmm. I think probably people watching this you like familiar with people the idea of like a dirty bulk where it's just like oh great I can now eat whatever I want yeah with that comes like a load of fat <laughs> yeah a load of stuff that you don't want so the restriction could be the surplus in your calories is going to come from carbohydrates, mm -hmm. for example. The reward's going to be like probably less fat gain than there would be if we just said, right, go and have whatever. Um, and the reward will be that, like, I guess the reward alongside that is like, great, I can eat more, my sessions are better, yep. and I'm probably going to progress at a better rate than I would if I didn't do that. Uh, the relate part, if we're thinking about someone gaining muscle, would then be, Right, we've done this for 12 weeks. We've stepped on the scale. Your body composition's not too dissimilar to where it was, but you're visibly bigger, you're happier with how you look, and you're stronger in these six key lifts that we've identified. I think that's, um, you've hit the nail on the head there. That was... Um, Restrict, reward, relate. It's not my idea, but I'm nicking it for this. Yeah, no, you can claim that. <laughs> it's, de it's definitely Josh's idea. He came up with it. Um, so, and then in terms of, let's go um, on to motivation. There you mentioned about, body composition, uh, changing in, and weight related. Um, now, a lot of people are motivated by, let's say, the scale, um, and, and both ways. So going down, 
I'm motivated by the scale going up. Obviously, not. I, I, I say I'm. I personally couldn't care less as long as I stay in my weight category for strongman. Um, but then going up, I've made the. Uh, this is where this is where I've messed up probably more than any other times in my training career, which is I judged my bulks for lack of a better word by how heavy I was, mm. which is a really <laughs> stupid thing to do because I say stupid if you've, <laughs> if you've done done the same, um, you're stupid. Mm. Um, but basically, it's it's not a great idea because. I got to, I think it was 121, 122 odd kilos. And to give context, I sit now at 103. Um, I was big. And I was just really quite chubby. I didn't have, I, I carried slightly more muscle than I've got now. But I was, I carried a lot more fat than I do now. So I think scale weight uh, as an extra, extrinsic motivator it is okay. But I think there, there's better ones like measurements, etc. But talking, going on to extrinsic versus intrinsic motivation, what differences can you see there when you're coaching clients? I think and probably, how do you use them? Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's the relevant bit, isn't it? Yeah. I think the like first bit for me is like I've realised that I'm so intrinsically motivated, and I realised that from doing a bit of coaching in a gym, and I'd like done my bit, and I felt like it had gone pretty well. It was like a small group got to the end and it's like another coach's turn and they use this like kind of uh it's like a you got kind of linked up to a uh, monitor and everyone could see like your i think it was like calories burnt heart rate and mm. like i don't know whatever some sort of league table for how everyone was going and i looked at that and i thought like i could not care less about that like if oh, anything yeah. that's made me not want to do this wow that self-sits me that's really and interesting. like people looking up thinking oh god like and i just looked at the house like that is so silly like, are, you, are you a competitive person? So this is the thing. I'd say I am, but the the things that get me competitive and like the the ways that I want to be motivated and challenged just at the moment at, at any rate have to come from myself. So like if I can like the session I did yesterday, I know what I've like achieved in that session last week. Mm. I'm just going to check that beforehand, and I know in order to beat the one k ski erg time, I'm aiming for. I think it was like three minutes, 50 something. Like mm -hmm. that's going to give me so much more looking at me last week as opposed to some random person in a gym who's tried, who, who is on the face of it doing better than me. So that's quite an interesting one because I guess I've never, I, I say this, I've never actually cycled on a Peloton, right? But I, I think from what I understand, the concept is like you basically like race, you go against other people who yeah, you've yeah. never even met. And obviously that's a multi, multi-million, I don't know, maybe even billion pound company. And it's really interesting that the majority of people, I think, do need that sort of extrinsic motivation to race against the other person, to beat the other person. Whereas you're saying it comes from deep within you. And it, it does with me too. There's certain things that um, I, yeah, I, I love strongman. Whether I competed on in it or not, I, I would just do it all day, every day. But... I do need, I love, I love that competition vibe. I, I, I thrive off it and um, really, really excites me. Um, so would you say at any point you do sort of get to that point where you do want to, because I know, I know like obviously you do a lot of coaching. So do you never want to get on the pitch at saying? Yeah, okay. yeah this, so this is interesting. If I was going to play football now, I would mm. probably have to do it in a way that would allow me to control a lot of what went on. Right. because of my coaching experience. I think before I started coaching and coaching good players and coaching in a way that I feel like I'm doing good stuff regularly, I I was pretty happy to like play in a team, run around, do you know what I mean? And mm. like take some instructions. Whereas I think now I'd, I'd at least want a say in how mm. we set up, how we attack, how we defend, how training runs, like the things we value as a group. Um, I wouldn't rule it out, but I just know that I wouldn't enjoy it unless I had a bit of say in those things. I think in terms of the competition element, for, like, for me, the stuff that I'd be interested in doing now is like running a half marathon or like doing a high rocks okay. or like something where like the, the doing well at that event is also going to benefit me in another area of my life. Like there's nothing bad that's going to come out of me trying to run more. At yep. this point, like you know, good, 
good, I'd say I'm in a pretty good place in terms of my health. My joints are fine. Mm. Like there's there's very very little risk for that. But if I was going to do, I don't like I, I couldn't even tell you something else that I'd even consider getting into. Like I remember when I was doing my level two, level three. Someone asked me if I'd ever do a bodybuilding show. <laughs> I was like. Just like, no, like there's literally no part of, and that's like fine if you want to do it, great. Of course, yeah, yeah. But like for me, I just don't look at that and think I want to do it. Funnily enough, having done, having done them, uh, I misunderstood something my coach said to me the other day. Uh, so, and he, we were talking about getting shredded and he said something about being at that stage and I thought he meant on stage again. And I literally was like, no, nah. mm. like absolutely, there is not a single part of me that would would do that again but i think for me i think the the sole difference other other than um as i've documented i do struggle often with eating disorders and body dysmorphia out forget forgetting that which was obviously a big part of me but forgetting that i think for me it's it's the fact it's very subjective mm. so i think where i love competition is it's uh, it's completely objective strongman whoever lifts the most or moves the fastest or whatever it is wins and that to me is a, that is to me is a massive factor. Um, going back a stage, you said something about um, values when you were talking about uh, coaching, and you wanted to know like team values and stuff. That's something I find incredibly important when coaching individuals is what are their values? Not necessarily in terms of honesty, integrity, things like that, which obviously are part of their values. But what do they value? Because you can, in terms of Maybe extrinsically, but what, what's most important to them mm. and how can you use that as an anchor to put their coaching on? So, um, for example, I know uh, one of the guys you're coaching, um, he, he wants to stay in shape for his, his daughter. He's got a very young daughter, I think it's about 10 months or something. And uh, he, he wants to show her as she grows up that training and health is very, very important. So that's that's what I mean by the value, rather than like you know being a good dad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I like another example, like a client I've just recently taken on, like another one, like got a young kid, mm. uh, is pretty active, like plays sports, but wants like wants the gym in his life. Like he mm. knows that he wants to get better and get stronger at stuff. So part of this initial process with him has been basically trying to establish whether or not he can he get to the gym three times a week with a busy job doing mm -hmm. other stuff and with a young kid yeah and like we've established that yes it's doable yeah so like we know and like he's kind of inadvertently but also explicitly said like i want the gym to be part of my life help me make it that nice. so like i feel like my job as a coach is to try and program for him in a way that allows him to get in and out of the gym three times whilst getting stronger whilst not having it take over from being a dad. Because yeah. as, as important as it is that he gets stronger and gets better at sports, like it's not going to be more important than that. I would I would disagree. I think my strength is far more important <laughs> than my kids um, by, a very, by a very long way. Um, but uh, going back, like, so the, how would you anchor? Because we all, ha we all have dips in motivation, right? Um, and how do you anchor something like like that making gym a very important part of his life when motivation is down when he feels a bit shit because we all go through those stages how do you use anchors like that as uh to, to encourage your clients to motivate them and to keep them on track yeah i think this is probably where like the more coaching you do the more confident you become in dealing with those sorts of messages or mm. those sorts of like just those bits of feedback Mm. Um, and I'd say like at the moment, the thing that I'm finding most helpful in my coaching is having an understanding of how you can manipulate someone's volume throughout the week. And just because they, I don't know, don't do their leg extensions in their Tuesday session mm. doesn't mean that we can't just tag it on to when they're next in the gym. They're going to open up their Friday session with that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's been really, really good because I, I, <laughs> I had a message from him and he was like, at the end of the workout, he'd put, uh, had to miss, I think it said, had to miss calves because I got a message from my, uh, from my partner telling me that I needed to come home and deal with the baby. Yeah. So like, I'm not going to get onto him and say, you've missed calves this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I'm going to be like, right, okay, that's understandable. We'll just move it. Yeah. And I think that like the more, the more I understand about resistance training, I saw, I can't remember who it was. I saw a coach talk about this recently, which was basically like, 
as coaches, as online coaches, people who program training, resistance training is our bread and butter. Yeah. Like that's got to be the stuff that we absolutely nail. Mm. And I just know that if he puts calves in a different session and does the sets as planned, that's fine. Yeah. Whereas I think previously and probably the way that I started out with my training and like kind of absorbed all these ideas about this split, that split, I've got to do this in this order. You just realize that it's fine. For most people who are not trying to be professional bodybuilders, like it's fine. You'll be all right. It's yeah. just fine. I, I remember very, very vividly coming home. I'd been away for six months traveling and, uh, and my mum said, oh, you know, I've prepared this really nice meal for you. I was like, mum, I've got to go to the gym here. Like, what are you talking about? And she was like, so I haven't seen you in six months. I was like, no, no, I've got to go to the gym. And I can't remember what day it was, like chest day or whatever. But I was like, well, I haven't hit, hit those that that session this week and blah, blah, blah. And I remember everyone around me being like, it's it's OK. You can you can just not do it. And uh, at the time, I didn't think that. But for for anyone listening to this, like, yeah, just either either you can make up for if it if it's a whole session, I wouldn't bother trying to make up for it. But if it's like calves, just just add it in on the end of another day or just skip it that week. Like you said, most most people listening to this are not trying to be professional bodybuilders. As you said, it doesn't matter. Anomalies in this game very, very, very rarely matter mm. um, when it comes to training or even or even diet, um, which is something else I wanted to talk to you about. Miss so just before you do, can I give the example of, so I was away with my mum this yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. So I was, uh, my mum and I went to a spa and it was really, really nice. One to like be in a hotel with some pool and steam sort of that's just great yeah. but being with my mum was really really nice anyway so she's just been diagnosed I don't think she might be saying this just been diagnosed with osteopenia which is like pre-osteoporosis mm. kind of uh, not it's, I don't well hopefully it won't be too debilitating for her but like she's got weak bones mm-hmm. um, and as a result of that she's looking to do some resistance training which is like awesome as fun a thing as could happen to me it's like yeah, yeah. my mum wants to do leg extensions and bicep curls <laughs> it's just great if she wants to jump on a sales <laughs> call hit the link in my bio ignore him <laughs> ignore him um and yeah so like the session i would have done if i wasn't with my mum probably a bit different to the one that i ended up like sort of half doing my session half watching her mm. but like that is just so much like that is so much better and fulfilling for me than it would be to be like, look, mum, sorry, I can't talk now. I've got, a, do you know what I mean? Like, I've got I 30 second rest here. Yeah, what what you want about mum? I'm obviously, like, I'm obviously keen to make, to make her journey in fitness an enjoyable and sustainable one. And that yeah. is like more important than me doing what I had planned. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving on to, as, as I said, I was just about to get onto your diet because that is one thing that, I absolutely just love watching your Instagram <laughs> because it's um, every, every day. Yeah. Every, every day, Josh teases me with his sweet treats, um, whether that's a brownie. What's that? What's the one you gave me the other? The white chocolate something. Uh, I think there's two that you've got your eye on regularly. One is from Lidl and Aldi, by the way. Feel free to get in touch. Like I am not bound by any contractual obligation i'm merely uh just thrilled to announce how much i enjoy these treats anyway little do a white chocolate millionaire shortbread it's outrageous and then the one i brought when we had the shoot um the other week was aldi do a it's like a cookie dough slice so it's like cookie dough top half like caramel biscuit bottom half and it's got little chocolate chips and this it's very good Sounds, uh, yeah. Well, I say it sounds amazing. I had some and it was, (laughs) it was really amazing. Um, But more than um, boosting their sales. Yeah. um, Why, why do you include them when a lot of people think in the fitness industry, especially as a trainer, you shouldn't eat those foods and they're chemically, etc. That's number one. And number two, how do you include them when it comes to obviously literally eating, but as in your, your macronutrient intake, maybe around training, that sort of thing. Why do I eat them? Because they're brilliant and they make me happy and I love eating nice things. That's the that's the why. Yeah, that was easy. Um, how do I fit them into my macros? I guess the obvious thing to say here is that I'm pretty active. Mm. Like I'd say even for a PT, I'm pretty active. I'd say even for a football coach, I'm pretty active. Like. 
it's rare that I have a day that I don't do like 17 and a half thousand steps. Wow. And that's without me deliberately going out of my way. That's me like, I've got to walk, I've not even got to like, I'll walk to the gym, I'll walk home. Oh, the sun's out, I'll go for a little walk here, go there, get get back, go off to coach, coach, get home, look at my watch, like 17 and a half thousand steps. I also yeah. run now, like since, I think I did my first run this t- like from this like, bit of my life I've been running on Christmas Eve and since then I've run like twice or three times a week and I just wow. love it. Yeah. So my activity level is pretty high. So in order for me to, and I train in the gym like three or four times a week. So in order for me to sustain that, I've got to eat a fair bit of food. Yeah. So I've got quite a lot of food to play with is probably the obvious thing to say. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a fair point. And for, for me, I think I discussed it with uh, Luke on the last episode about... This period of my life, the last probably two years, has been the longest I've stayed in shape for. I have uh, a history through my eating disorders of getting um, what what we call in the industry dick skin lean. You can imagine why. Um, But it didn't look look too happy with that one, did you? Um, Just a horrible description. I know. Um, But very, very, very lean. Um, To not... Depends on your opinion of overweight but much much larger um fluctuating up to even 20 kilos which is like three stone right and i would always restrict the amount of sweet treats i ate and then the last two years i've just included them pretty much not as often as daily but uh very regularly and i think to me that's a it's a sign of my mental health improving um but b it's a massive part of staying in shape for me now because I no longer have to have 10 of them when I have one it's now literally you just eat one and then you you enjoy it and I think where you include them regularly I think that's not a bad thing for a lot of people that might keep them on track maybe not in um, a very harsh phase of dieting towards the end by a photo shoot or something like that but throughout the year I think that I think they're a great thing to be including personally yeah yeah I mean I think this is where like kind of the I guess people's perceptions of what you should eat as an athlete, whether that's as someone who trains, whether that's as a footballer, rugby player, whatever, I think has been pretty heavily influenced by stuff that you see on the telly or online. So the example that I always think of is uh, there's this bit in the Man City documentary Mm. where there's this guy who's become like the chef for a load of Man City players and he's dropping Kevin De Bruyne's food off. And obviously, Kevin De Bruyne, who is training once or twice a day and playing football matches twice or three times a week, needs to eat a lot. Mm. And there are huge demands on him. So his food is like pretty clean, in inverted commas, but is also like the sorts of things that like pretty energy, I guess, energy dense foods, we would say. So like it's not uncommon for him to have like a load of salmon, loads of like creamy potatoes with some greens, right? That sort of, but like that sort of stuff, right? I think on the opposite end of that, you've got someone who might watch those sorts of like bodybuilding.com, muscle and fitness type YouTube videos where you've then got, I don't know, Bodybuilder X supermarket hall or like full day of eating with Bodybuilder and they're two weeks out from competing at Mr. Olympia. And so their calories are extremely low. And then you get, right, if I want to be a bodybuilder, I've got to be like this. Well, there's the, the classic, you must have seen it, uh, fish and a rice cake. Yeah, exactly. That sort of stuff. I remember um, what's it? Reggie Yates did one a couple of years ago as well, mm-hmm. where he looked at uh, kind of gym culture, body dysmorphia, muscle dysphoria, something like that. Body don't dysphoria, that I don't know. Anyway, uh, and there's this guy who's eating Body like, dysmorphia? No, body dysmorphia, but yeah. there was another thing okay. called something dysphoria. Okay. Uh, there's this guy who's eating uh, beef jerky, mm. like that's his diet. He goes into a sauna and does like 250 press ups, and 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 like that's that's how he thinks that's what he thinks is the best way for him to get wow. the aesthetic that he wants. Has it? How does he look? I think he, but like he looks. <laughs> but this is the thing, like, like int- I just genuinely he looks, out of interest. He looks good. Yeah, but like he's just a normal guy. Yeah, he doesn't need to eat like that. Yeah, no yeah. one in the world needs to eat like that. But like he doesn't. No. And I think that's what, and like, I think Reggie Yates says it in the thing, it's a few years ago, but he's like, why, why are you, uh, you look great. Like, what's all this? What are you doing? 
And uh, yeah, and the response is, you know, like I want to look like whoever that I've seen on online. I think that sort of stuff is like, it's, I think it affects more people more severely than we realize. I think it's huge. It is, um, actually there was, there's an influencer who I really massively dislike because of a lot of what he says. I've, I've posted about it on, he's the only person I've ever called out on my social media. Um, and I'll say his name now, Ryan Fisher. Um, he was a former CrossFitter, I think. And he, he tells people, stand in the mirror. Um, if you wanna lose weight, stand in the mirror, look how much you hate yourself. Um, and that'll motivate you to lose weight. So that's exactly why I really, really dislike him. Um, I see you rolling your eyes, like he's, it, it's, it's madness. Um, and as you've said that, as I've said that, I've now forgotten what was, you said something. Um, I'm just saying like more, I think that more people have kind of taken on the ideas about how we should eat yes more and it's and it's kind of trickled in deeper than we think more people have been more affected by that yes. sort of stuff oh yeah than we realize so that that's where i was going so actually something he did put on the other day which i did think was very good was he was saying about how 90 probably 90 percent of gym users do struggle at some level there's obviously there's a massive continuum of this but with with some form of not dysmorphia because that's 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 a clinical term but uh, uncomfortableness with their their body there's a lot of people um who say it and even i think uh, when you came we uh, recorded some bits and i said about you having your top off and you're like and you are one of the people i've come across who is least affected i'd say by this and you're still like oh am i in good enough shape to have my t-shirt on and then you made the point you even said it out loud that's very interesting um, and we discussed discussed the points on that so i think when you say a lot of people are affected by this i'm not sure i've come across anyone who isn't to a hundred a hundred percent completely unaffected yeah, by yeah. It. i think that's where as well like we kind of got this for me anyway there's a distinction between like general population who aren't gym goers mm. and then gym goers because yeah. i feel like most gyms i walk into in a gym i'm like kind of average yeah. i'm like average strength like probably know a bit more than most people in terms of exercise selection and how mm. to execute movements effectively but like i'm just like your regular like i just fit in pretty well mm. but like in if i go into the world and if i think about my mates who don't go to the gym like i look and probably am infinitely fitter than someone who like doesn't think about this stuff or consider mm you know, any of the things that we've talked about would go straight over their head. And I yeah. also, and like, and I think that's important to remember sometimes for like most people who are like into some sort of training, like that is, there's, <laughs> there's people in your life and there's stuff in your life that it doesn't have to affect. Yeah, I think there's that. And I think what you said about um, then, if, if you then compare it to X, Y, and Z, if you take, where if you walk into a gym versus if you compare it to your friends who don't train, I think it's really important for people to remember that when you go into a gym and you're, oh, I, I feel like I'm not in shape or I don't feel strong or I don't feel whatever it is, it's, it's, it's very relative. Um, obviously, I now pretty much predominantly only train at strongman gyms. I am not strong. When I go to these gyms, I'm not strong. However, if I walked, if I went to the people who don't train, infinitely stronger. If I go to a normal gym, I'm probably the strongest in there. It's it's all completely relative, and I think that's incredibly important to remember because when you're in a gym, if you start comparing yourself, that's not the norm. That's not the norm. They're in a gym. That they're health seekers automatically. So if 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 you if that bogs you down, just try to remember that. That's not the norm. The norm is outside of that world. Um, and actually, they they did a study. I won't go massively into it. And they're talking about um, vegetarianism. Is it healthier than uh, meat eaters? And they stood outside a Whole Foods to do this test uh, to ask people who were coming by uh, and and do this. And the answer became yes, they are healthier. So more people responded with vegetarians are healthier than meat eaters. No, oh, sorry. The, the, they asked people as they went past, sorry. Um, and it turned out those who were veggies were, by their markers, healthier than the meat eaters. And then they said, then they said oh, well, the uh, veggies are, veggies, vegetarianism is better for you. However, you're standing outside of Whole Foods 
asking people who are therefore health seeking they're going to a they're going to a whole foods so, and then you've got other associations like more meat eaters are smokers and drinkers and things like that so that's that's where actually it turns out meat eaters are healthier overall mm. but my my point is whole foods is is the gym right they they are your health seekers so if you are feeling uncomfortable that's because you're in the place of the fit, the fittest people in the country and the world whatever so um yeah i think that's very important because people can get very bogged down about how they look in a gym yeah that's where just like the idea of like relativity is so important and also mm. like what what is optimal is personal do you know what 100%. i mean like what like what you can achieve as an individual is like not even i would argue not even worth thinking about in relation to anyone else it's, it's a hard one because on, on one hand i feel like a lot of people say oh you know don't compare yourself to others don't compare yourself to others i think it's i think it sadly is a natural part of human society is to and i think with social the rise of social media i think it's only going to get worse but um yeah i i do think it is important to try not to because it's not there's always unless you are number one in the world at your sport but then or whatever you're doing but then you're not going to be number one at lots of things so there's always going to be people better than you so start comparing yourself it, it happened to me today when i was training and i've got a comp coming up and there was a guy there who i know i'm competing against and i saw him and i was like well i'm not got first because he's that much better than me and i was like well am i even going to turn up because it's pointless now blah blah and got into my own head i'm never going to earn money from strongman i'm not talented enough i'm not going to take enough steroids i'm not going to do any of the things that would take me to the top so therefore i compete because i enjoy it so just go and compete and forget him because whatever i whatever he does is not affecting me i've just got to affect things i can affect rather than taking on that uh from other people yeah i had this chat with a guy coach of yesterday and it, i was saying like i think the reason i'm enjoying my training at the moment is that i don't really have anything in particular that i'm training for like i said about the half marathon high ups, but like that's they're just those are things that I think at some point I might want to do. Whereas at the moment, it's just like, for me, it's like, I love going for a run, so I'm going to go for a run. I love doing the training I'm doing, so I'm going to go do it. And like finding the stuff that you like doing and that you can therefore do sustainably, to me, is like, like when that happens, it just feels brilliant. It's interesting because I, um, I was thinking about this point earlier and you've just sort of led me on to it. You are one of the most relaxed people I think I've ever met. Really? Yeah, he's so laid back. It's unbelievable. That is so interesting. And uh, maybe I surround myself with nutters. I probably do. Um, but where you're like, yeah, I just, I just do what I enjoy. You know, I, I eat sweet treats because I enjoy them. And you just your demeanor is very, very laid back. And I was thinking, do you think that is... Your, I didn't. You clearly don't know that about yourself, maybe. But I was wondering, is that innate? Uh, innate is that the right word? Is it? Is that part of your personality, or is that something you think you've worked on? Because I know we talked outside of this uh, the other morning. You had this wonderful morning routine that just hmm. was just like the most late. I was like, it was like listening to classic. When li hearing you talk <laughs> was like listening to classical music with birds tweeting, and I was just like, oh, I feel zen already. Yeah. Uh so something I have realized about myself is that I'm very process driven. I'm mm -hmm. process oriented. So if I don't find the prospect of doing whatever I'm going to do, like enjoyable, even if it means that the outcome might not be exact, like I want the process to be good, regardless of whether the outcome's good. Very yeah, I know there are some people who are like outcome driven. So like whatever it takes me to get there, I'll do it. Whereas for me, like, what's the point if the process isn't going to be worth it? Like, in a, a few contexts of my life that this is relevant in, one, uh, one of the football teams I coach, like, the way that we play is really important. The way that we interact as a group is really important. The things that we value as a team are really, really important. We play against teams who are win at all costs. Mm -hmm. They will do anything to win. Whereas to me, like, I don't think that's worth doing for us. Like, and, and this is kind of, you know, relative and re like it's only relevant for us to be like that because of the way that we're working but like we've got players who are maybe late teenage teenagers early 20s mid 20s 
it's in our interest and in their interest to get better as players. Mm. So we want to show them that like coaching the way that we coach, playing the way that we play, valuing the stuff that we value, they can get better by being that way. Mm -hmm. If they then go off and play somewhere else, they've now seen that they can develop with like a good positive environment. If we don't win the league, that's, that's fine because we're not professionals. We yeah. don't have jobs riding on the outcomes of games. Like in a training, training perspective, like I really like the session I do on a Saturday, which is like functional fitness mixed with running. Like I might never do a CrossFit event or a Hyrox event. And mm -hmm. if I don't, I'll have just enjoyed the training. Like that's a win. That's, um, that's, it's very interesting because on one hand, I'm an win at all costs type of person, like growing up playing rugby um, or, well, initially it was football, but growing up more playing rugby and stuff, I, I would, if it meant stamping on someone, and it's, it's part of rugby for those people listening, like, but to, to an unfair level, if it meant doing something that was probably gamesmanship rather than sportsmanship, I would absolutely 110% do that. I would have no problem doing it. But have sorry, go on. But, I'll ask questions. but as I've as I've got older, and as as I've got older, I've realised if you, I think particularly when it comes to coaching, if someone enjoys the process, the outcome will be infinitely better. Anyway, um, again, same going back to going back to bodybuilding, and and the reason this is actually going to be my post tomorrow, which obviously isn't now, um, if because listen to the podcast is is about like I said earlier about my weight ballooning I was training because I hate I hated my body I just absolutely hated it and so I was always I didn't particularly enjoy the training I would just be focused on the outcome mm. and what happened I never stayed in shape found a sport that I absolutely adore loved the process outcomes better stayed in shape for longer so I think that's I think for people who listen to this and I discussed it um in the in the second episode um, of this podcast was about uh, literally about that and if you're not enjoying the process of your training try and focus it on something else because as as we just discussed the outcome is infinitely better um, but go on you you're gonna have a question when I said about winning at all costs would you be like like if, say you got asked to play in a match tomorrow would you stamp on someone if it meant winning I say, I say stamp, stamping's a little bit... Whatever, like yeah, games... Yeah, I don't would, understand would, rugby, would, but like, would, is there stuff would, that you would do that the referee might not pick up on if it meant that it would help your team win? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, you, I'm very... Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Would you, will, you, will you teach... You, if your kids want to play sports, will you teach your kids to be like that? I think um, not so young. Um, as they get older, if my kids were 18 now, and I think I think actually no. I think the level is actually very important now. As I've got as I've got older, and see that what you said about we don't have jobs riding on this. If my kids were playing uh, at the highest level or even remotely close to that, yes, I'd probably say do what, not hurt someone else to a point of like actually genuinely. When I say stamping, I don't mean actually injure them. I mean if you put a bit of fear into someone by stamping, like give them a little kick or something. You know, in football, like. You give them a little elbow. It's 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 gamesmanship. I, I wouldn't say go out there and injure someone. That would be no, absolutely not. But get a competitive advantage through gamesmanship. Um, if it was at a high level, I would. Yeah. See, I just wouldn't. I just don't think that would. I don't really? think I would do that. And that's yeah. not because I. I would argue. Like I would argue. I don't want to. I I guess the the way that. You, I don't know, I'm trying to extrapolate and make a broader, more philosophical point. The way that you do things matters to me, like yeah. is what I'm saying. And like the stuff that you care about should influence the way that you do things. Um, Interestingly though, when it comes to my coaching and my philosophies on that, I absolutely categorically will not be a win at all cost type of person. There are gyms I've, I've said it on a few of the episodes now there are gyms and places where they will run you into the ground to get their result and being completely real we're in a we're in a results business as as this type of coaching transformation coaches we're in a results business 
by posting transformations on my social media, I get more clients. Obviously, that's better for business, right? Um, there's no need to hide that. So I could push my clients and run them into the ground for a brilliant after photo. And that would be the win at all costs because your you're winning is getting more clients in. Absolutely not a single part of me would do that. I, I guess for me, the I guess the line is where it influences, where it negatively impacts others. And I know by by doing it when it all costs, there's a, there's a loser in sport, but I think it's when it actually really, I see the negative impact on someone's health. Like I said, I wouldn't purposely injure someone or anything like that. I think there's a, that that's it. But yeah, when it comes to coaching, it's completely the opposite. It, it is a, like you said, the way we do things is very important. I like to educate my clients. I like to give them the best and go above and beyond and help help people do it in a very kind way rather than, well, just shut up and do this because this is going to get you shredded and this is my photo, mm. not yours. Yeah, I'm doing some, uh, as we record this tomorrow, not as it comes out tomorrow, doing some uh, some stuff with some coaches on like kind of club philosophy and we're going to kind of present mm. some ideas around some non-negotiables and things that we should do and like why the stuff that we want to try and kind of dial up in terms of our behaviours, why that matters when we're working with uh, the players that we're working with. And I think it could be quite interesting and eye-opening for some people to hear that like me, I coach the first team and I'm not win at all costs. Mm. So there's no reason for the under 11s to be like that. Yeah, um, which but we'll see. It's quite interesting. You uh, you said that I'm one of the most relaxed people you've ever met, mm. and then you asked about my morning routine. Can I? So please, please do. Right, when I wake up, I get up. I wake up and I get up. Yeah, I open the curtains, and I make the bed, and then I try not to look at a screen for about an hour. That's not always doable. One, because there might be specific things that you need to look at your phone for, mm. um, and two, I might wake up later than I planned to and therefore I've got to be on a call at whatever time but I try not to do that in that first hour of the day I am trying to just make for, make sure things are in order because I'm such a, an early morning morning lark early bird one of those yeah. I basically can't do I'm useless after about 9.30 in the evening so there's times I'll get in from coaching I'll drop my bag and like the thought of carrying my bag upstairs is like too much I'm asleep by 9.30 so in the evening can't do it. So you know. yeah I know that's I would be if I yeah. could yeah. but if I finish yeah. the session at 9 I'm not yeah. Um, so I might like tidy those little bits up um, sit and read lemon and ginger tea just things that are just calm nice it's like mm. an hour of the day that's like no one's really going to bother me at that time if I'm waking up around six like probably not likely to I might have one client that's training really early or two clients that are training early but I don't have to like be accountable to anyone for that first bit of the day mm. and I think that is massive so that when it comes to, say I wake up at six, but when it comes to seven o'clock, sit down at the laptop, like you're up, I might be messaging you, mm. or there's like things I've got to kind of get done in order to like kick my day off. Like I'm doing those things with minimal distractions so that it can get to, like I had it the other week where I was meeting Drew, who I coach with, I was meeting him at half eight, got to half eight, met him and, I, and he was like, well, I said, like, yeah, this is, I've had a good, like most of my work's done. He's like, you're joking no it's just done like I've had an hour and a half of like me at my apex productivity no mm. one's interrupted me and now I can like have a coffee with you go train do a food shop and get ready to go and coach later in the day um, yeah it's just nice I recommend it I also recommend having a song having a song that you like that gets you going in the morning I think is massive tell us what's yours mine at the moment it could change at the moment is are you ready for love Elton John amazing it can't be too loud though because you know got neighbours and stuff yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one, though, because in the fitness industry, there was this whole, it seems to have calmed down a bit recently, but about, oh, all CEOs have an amazing morning routine, blah, blah. And I actually disagree with that. I think most CEOs, I work with a lot of CEOs, and most of them, their morning routine is very similar to mine, which is wake up, brush your teeth, put your coffee in a, uh, what they call it, portable mug, and get out. Um, Except I do one th one other thing. Josh, what do I do? First thing I do in the morning. Still plays Wordle. Yes. And my streak got, I think, did I tell you this? It got, yeah. Yeah. I, Wiped uh, it. Yeah. I was going to say, I cleared my history. 
that's telling a, <laughs> telling probably too much. Um, but my yeah, my wordle got wiped the other day, and I'm absolutely like literally broken. Um, but outside of outside of that, um, yeah, it's literally get up and go. However, I would say that leads to far more. I, I'm worried about timing. I'm worried, even though I always leave half an hour earlier than I need to because I want to reduce my stress. I'm then stressed about that time that I normally have to leave and my stress is actually up before my day has begun uh, because of timings and things like that. So I think having some level, I don't think I would have time to do what you do, but having that sort of somewhere in the middle might be something I have to try and include in the future. Is that something you give to clients? I mean, there's, if someone, if they ask, that's that's a good example of the what's useful, what's relevant. If mm. no one has asked me to help them with their morning routine, I'm probably not going to try and help them with their morning routine. Whereas if someone says, like, oh, I'm finding it, like, I'd really like to train in the morning because I then find I have to sit at a desk for nine hours and I'm struggling to get my session at lunchtime or after work, then yeah, I'd probably offer some insight there. But like, like when one this this uh, this guy who I've just I was talking about his training like he's training when I'm when I get up like by the time I sit down at the laptop he's finished his session so wow. he's in the gym like quarter to six till half six that sort of time mm -hmm. like he doesn't need me to help him be productive in the morning clearly so I'm yep. not going to go and say to him actually mate I think you should probably try this because yeah. he's clearly got something going that, of course. that works for him I think the other side of it is like I'm pretty conscious about not wanting to be you know like super evangelical 5am club type nonsense because yeah. most people just that's not how they can't live their life like that also they might be more productive later in the day like my partner her like some of the stuff she'll do after i've gone to sleep is she'll like bang out a couple of job applications finish off some work that she didn't manage to do because we i don't know went to the heath and had a coffee or something like it's unbelievable how much like how productive she can be later in the day whereas for me like i'm mm literally useless yeah I, that was the first actually when i started dropping my one-to-one -one pt evenings was the first thing i started dropping because i was just like these sessions again going back to morals of coaching um that we spoke a little bit about before that was I, they just weren't my deliverables were not as good um and or my delivery sorry was not as good um and i was like i can't i can't continue doing that it's not it's not fair on me and it's not fair on my clients so that was the first they were the first things i dropped because it was just like i'm useless after i think probably six i'm, I'm terrible uh, yeah it's about it's about six i i become a vegetable effectively but you're so you're you're look, you're incredibly busy you mm. wake up start the day at what time start the day is in my alarm mm, no that's what time you wake you wake what do you wake up five half five most days, yeah. And then you're working by six o'clock. Yeah. And then you're finishing work at seven, seven thirty. But that's with training in the middle that's, somewhere. Yeah, I try I train mid afternoon typically. Um yeah. Because it's my it's my quite morning gets busier. My evening evenings like I do the stuff that takes the least thinking in the evening. Um and then yeah, that I'll have a I'll have some study time typically an hour a day um in there as well so it's 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 full on yeah most days are 13 14 hour minimum working days so that's what i'm getting at like i wouldn't then say to you so yeah i think you should read for an hour yeah because yeah. that will just and you after what you, you've just told me about like being stressed if you try and leave like that's just not going to be a useful thing to recommend do you think though because another way to view that is um i was i was ill when i say ill i don't mean like dying but I felt like I was dying on Monday. And uh, and all the markers of stress have been really high for me recently. Like I've been picking up niggles, which never, uh, small injuries, let's say, uh, which never really happened to me other than I, have, I get big injuries that I've had over my career. But I don't pick up, my back doesn't isn't typically aching, my knees don't ache, all that stuff. Um, but I've been picking them up. My sleep, normally I'm the king of sleep and it's been terrible. Um, my guts have been off. So all these markers of stress have been high and I just keep pushing. And sometimes my days are 16 hour days and I just keep pushing. And then obviously I've got my kids and everything on top of that, like you, there's never a relief. And actually I end up two days completely in bed, sleeping one of them 19 hours and 19 of 24 hours I was asleep. Wow. Yeah, because I was, I was in trouble. 
And the reading perhaps actually, is it a bit chicken and egg? Because if I did that, my productivity might go up and therefore, because I know I'm not solidly working for every minute of that time, my productivity would go up. So if I was a bit more relaxed and took my time and gave myself some time off, I never give myself time off. And I wonder, it'd be an interesting study to do with people where you're saying I wouldn't give um, very, very high work, high working, hard working, whatever um, person this, I wonder actually, they might not take it on, but that's beside the point. Would it be useful mm. for that person? Would they, would, would what they want to do improve? Yeah, maybe. But also I think that would probably, you'd probably have to want that to happen a bit, wouldn't you? Like if you're not one. willing to give up two hours work in the middle of the day to read and yeah. I don't know, do it, whatever, then it it's going to be case tough. of if you said it to me, like it, it's one of those things I talk to people a lot about trying to improve their sleep, which is one of the most important factors for fat loss and muscle gain and everything else. But, and say to them, first thing, let's just put your phone down an hour before bed or not, not sleep with the TV on. And it's just like in one ear, out the other. And you've got to pick the battles of where it, where it is and that person has got to want to because if you don't want to you're not you're not going to listen to me and I can't force you to do that so I think yeah it is a case of are they going to implement it if they are if they want to great and if not got to think of a, another another tool but yeah I do I do think it probably would make me slightly more productive yeah I mean if you're but this that's the thing like if your sleep is still good then yeah like just I think and this is from experience, like if your sleep's better, everything's better. Agreed. So that's probably one of the first things I would look to try and improve with someone I was working with would be like, what are the like easy wins? Are there any like little things that we can tweak initially to try and improve your sleep? And then with that can come like a whole world of, of so- other good stuff. So how do you know if you've had a good sleep? Because I've I've spoken to clients before. They're like, yeah, yes, I, I sleep like a sleep like a log. And then I ask them a few questions that they don't know the answer. They don't know what I'm getting at. Um, and they'll tell me like, oh yeah, yeah, I do wake up like the first hour. I'm just like I'm broken. I can't really right. do anything. You're like you don't sleep well. Um, there's a difference between being unconscious and asleep. They're two very very separate things. And unconscious is the guy who you know, is on the screen, goes, yeah, yeah, goes to sleep and then wakes up feeling like death. Uh, That's being unconscious, being asleep and rested is waking up like uh, Mr. Pew here who just (laughs) wakes up with the birds tweeting. Yeah, I think that, I'll tell you what, that's, that's that would be a good way to do it initially. Don't set an alarm. When you go to bed tonight, listen to this. When you go to bed tonight, don't set an alarm. And just see what time you wake up. Try doing this on a weekend, please. So we don't yeah, get anybody yeah, fired. Yeah, good point. Do it on a, I don't know, whichever Saturday or Sunday, whichever day you have less on. Just don't set an alarm. See, see what happens. See what time you wake up. And then later that day, see what time you get tired. And I think that's probably, a, do that for, say you do that for four Saturdays. Keep a note of that. See what comes up. I reckon that, that's a decent bit of information that you can gather on yourself. Interestingly, I was shortly going to ask you because we'll, we'll wrap up soon about uh, a takeaway, a take home takeaways. I'm, I'm dreaming of tonight already. Um, take home for this. Would before we get on to that, is there anything else you would like to add and cover before we go on to that? Uh, probably that. Like I think the way that I coach and the way that clearly the way that I am, given what you've said about me i think that i think that there is space for people to make the progress they want to wake wake i think there is space for people to make the progress they want to make whilst enjoying the process Mm. that they are going through and i'd look to try and find the stuff that you like and the way that you like doing things and make that the staple or the anchor or the base of your life and then fill in the other bits around that i think that's um that's absolutely spot on to be honest would would you say that's your your biggest take home for somebody looking to improve their body composition their health their fitness is that your number one yeah that probably be number one number two would probably be that like if you can be more active try and be more active because yeah. with that comes a whole load of 
really nice fun stuff whether that's like being outside more and therefore all the benefits that come with that extra sunlight in the day all that sort of stuff being more active means that you're probably gonna expend more energy which means that you're probably going to be able to fit in a couple more treats if that's what you want to do um and also just like you just feel better you feel more energized the more you do 100 percent. um i think that's yeah perfect perfect place to wrap up um i'll just cover those two points quickly which is enjoy the process and where you can be more active um, I think that's pretty uh, pretty much hit the nail on the head there. So thank you very much for joining me today. Pleasure. Um, you can follow Josh on his two, inst- I think you've well, probably got more than that, but two main Instagrams. Um, if you can tell us, because I don't know where the underscores and stuff are. Yeah, uh, at Josh Pew one that's where you'll see coffee and pyjamas and stuff. And <laughs> then uh, I think my SK one is at Josh Pew underscore SKC. Yeah, it's fair. It's fairly new, so we're just um, establishing it now. So it is Josh Pugh uh, underscore SKC. That's correct. Yeah, and that's more kind of more coaching, training, nutrition stuff. Yeah, perfect. Um, thank you very much for joining us, Josh, and thank you very much for listening um, to everybody who has tuned in. And I will see and speak to you next time. <laughs>